What do you want people to say about you after you're gone? Think about that for a minute. What do you want people to say about you after you're gone? It's a tough question sometimes, isn't it? What do we want people to say about us? What would your epitaph be? My wife always tells me, you're a lot. So I'm t I keep telling her, that's what, he's, that's what needs to be on my tombstone. He was a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of things that that means. And uh, I don't know that they're all good, but uh, she says that to me when she gets frustrated. You know what? You're a lot. <laughs> what do you want people to remember about you? Let's think about David. Where we ended up in our last story. It's been a little while, hasn't it? Almost a month. We had the story of David and Bathsheba and what that led to. Um, and remember in that story, after everything had happened and David had made his mistakes and then asked for forgiveness and God forgives, yet there were consequences, right? And one of those consequences was that the sword would never leave his house. Remember that? That consequence of, of David committing adultery. A lot of things lead up to that. It doesn't just start with adultery, does it? You know, no big sin ever just happens. There's other things that we, get, we, we let come into our life and cloud our judgment before something really bad happens. And then he doesn't deal with that, doesn't, really doesn't even realize the bad he's done, and it leads to murder, doesn't it? And the, the consequences of that is that the sword would never leave his house. And so today we're looking at a story. This will be our last story about the life of David. There's so much more that we've overlooked in looking through David's life. You could spend years if you really go into detail with all the things that we have about King David. And there's lessons we can learn in, in all these different stories. But I'll be honest with you. Um, when we think of David, what do you think about? Tell me. You can say it out loud. What are the things you think about when you think about David in the Bible? Okay, the story of David and Goliath. So we know him as someone who trusted in God in such a way he was able to defeat a giant, right? With God's help. What's that? You think about Bathsheba, the mistake he made. What are some other things you think about with David? Relate it to the New Testament. How does the New Testament talk about David? King. He was a king. And when you historically look at the nation of Israel... David is looked at as the greatest king Israel ever had, right? Even to this day. Psalms. Psalms. He gave us a really great collection of inspired by God words that we continue to use today, uh, that we sing still today, that we pray still today. We see... God working through his life to give us so many songs and, and 
good poetry that we can use in our everyday walk with God. Ancestor of Christ. Jesus is a son of David, isn't he? Mm -hmm. He wanted to build a temple for God. He loved God. What does it say about his love? He was a man after God's own heart. He loved God. I want us to talk about these things. There's a mixture of good and bad things we just listed, right? And today, David's life, I, I just hate to, I, I wish it ended on a good note. But it's kind of a sad story today we're going to look at. But it reminds us that God still loves us no matter how things are going in this world. God's still faithful to us no matter what circumstances you may be up against right now in your life or in the future. But this is a real story, isn't it? If you were to read this and not know it's from the Bible, you might think it's days of our lives. Right? Especially today's story. You know, some of this is real hairy, bad, evil stuff. And it's in his family. And we see where that the sword doesn't leave his house continues right here in today's story about Absalom. But guess what? When you think about Israel today, the sword still hasn't left their house, has it? People are out to get them all the time. And so this is, this is something that all the way back you know, thousands of years ago is still relevant in today's world with the people of Israel. So this is today's story. It covers a, a lot of information. We're not going to read everything that's there, but this is the story uh, that we find in 2 Samuel uh, from chapters 13 through 19. And here's the story as it's told in God's Word. David's oldest and favorite son was named Amnon. But Amnon made a horrible mistake. Let me preface this, remember? We're at a point now in David's life where he has eight or nine wives. Okay, so things are hairy just in that, right? Hair is, a, hair is an important part in today's story, right? Remember that. Use the word hairy, but real hair <coughs> is important in today's story. So we've got Amnon, his favorite son. But he made a horrible mistake. Here's what that mistake was. Is he was attracted to one of his stepsisters, Tamar, and he tricked her into coming to him and acting like he was sick, and he raped her. This is a bad, this is bad. And David was furious with Amnon for what he had done to Tamar, his daughter. But the problem is, David didn't do anything about it. His brother, Amnon's brother Absalom, who was David's third son, <clears throat> he hated Amnon for what he had done to their sister. And a couple of years later, Absalom killed his brother for it. And David mourned Amnon's death for three years and he banished Absalom from Jerusalem after Absalom had killed Amnon. So David allowed Absalom later to come back to Jerusalem a few years later, and Absalom was very handsome. 
He was a great-looking guy. He had lots of hair. That's right. Absalom had lots of hair. And he had it cut once a year. Every time he had his hair cut once a year, anybody want to guess how much his hair weighed? The Bible says five pounds is how much his hair weighed. That's, that's, you, you pick up a five-pound bag of sugar and see if that ain't pretty heavy. That's how much his hair weighed when they cut it once a year. He grew in favor with the people. Good-looking guy. Long, flowing hair. Everybody loved Absalom. It was a real ham. But he began speaking out against his father, David, and telling things behind his father's back about him. And many of the people began to call for Absalom to be the new king. Absalom formed an army of those he persuaded to follow him. And with that army, he marched on Jerusalem to attack his father's kingdom. He actually chased David and David's army of Judah out of the city. And then David had to lay out a plan of action to fight the army of Absalom. And he said to his men, I'll lead you into battle. And they said, no, King David, you need to stay in the city. One of, if one of us dies, no one will care. Half of us could die, and no one would even notice. But you're worth over 10,000 soldiers. You need to stay protected in the city. So King David stood beside the gate while his troops marched out. And he said to Joab, who's still the commander of David's army, he said loud enough that anyone could hear, For my sake, be merciful to my son Absalom. He still loved his son, even though his son had rebelled against him. David's army marched into battle, and they defeated the army of Israel. So notice we've got another split of Judah and Israel already, way before the kingdom split after King Solomon, David's son. We are, we're continuing to have splits. But this battle turned into a slaughter. Over 20,000 men died in this battle. This is civil war. Absalom was riding away from the battle on a mule, the Bible says, and suddenly those big locks of hair got caught in the branches of a large tree as he was riding under the tree. It pulled him off the mule, and he was hanging in midair by his hair on this tree. Some of David's men saw him hanging there, and they went and told Joab. Joab said, what? You saw him hanging there, and you didn't kill him? I would have paid you ten pieces of silver if you had killed Absalom. They said, well, we wouldn't kill the king's son even if you gave us a thousand pieces of silver. <clears throat> we heard, they said, we heard what he said. He warned us to spare his son. If we had killed him, the king would find out about it and you'd let us take the blame. Well, Joab said, I'm wasting my time sitting here talking to you guys. He took three spears and he went to where Absalom was hanging in the tree. He and several of his guards surrounded Absalom and they killed Absalom. Joab then blew the, army's ram, the, 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 the ram's horn of the army and his troops stopped chasing uh, the army of Israel. 
Absalom was taken down from the tree and thrown into a large pit. And with that, all the men of Israel went home. And a young man said to Joab, I'll run and tell the king how the Lord has given him victory. And Joab said, no, I'll send, I'll send someone else to tell King David. So he sent another runner, and the young man begged Joab uh, to let him run along as well. Finally, Joab gave this young man permission to help tell King David. The young man ran, uh, but he, and he was faster than the other runner, so he got to King David first. David was sitting just inside the gate of the city, waiting for the news of the battle. A watchman on the wall called down and told David a runner was coming. And as the young man got close, the watchman called down to David that another runner was coming as well. And the young man bowed before the king and he said, The battle went well, King David. You've won and the Lord has given you victory. David said, What about Absalom? Is he alive? And this first runner said, I don't know. I heard a lot of noise, but I didn't know what that was about. David said, stand over there and wait. The second runner came up and said, I have good news. God has given you victory today, King David. And David asked this runner, well, what about Absalom, my son? Is he alive? The runner said, may all of your enemies end up like him. The king was cut to the heart. He went up to the gate chamber and cried out in anguish. We all know this passage. It's on the front of your, bu your, your bulletin today. My son, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Absalom, my son, my son. News of how David reacted got back to the army and suddenly their joy of victory turned into sadness. It was as if they had lost the battle. Joab then went to David. He said, David, your men risked their lives for you. They not only saved your life, but they saved the lives of your family. Now they're ashamed of what they have done. They think that you wanted them to die instead of your son Absalom. David, you need to get up right now and encourage your men. If you don't, they'll all leave you, and your troubles will be worse than ever. So David did as Joab asked. He got up, and he went to sit at the gate, and soon all of his men came and sat and comforted King David. There's a lot of things in this story. Some points that I'd like to make today, things that we can learn, some life lessons that we can learn in today's story. If you have uh, your bulletin, there's an outline there you can follow along. The first thing we can learn is that we need to deal with sin. Deal with sin. Now, I'll go back to the story of David and Bathsheba. The first thing in that story is he wasn't, be, he wasn't busy. It was spring when he normally would go out to battle with his army, but instead he stayed back. And we know that old saying, 
you know, an idol mine is the devil's workshop. You know, you may think, well, Brother Danny, I've not, I've not done a sin that bad. Well, let me tell you this. That little sin, if it's not dealt with, can grow, can it, into something bigger later. And that's what happens with King David. One little sin turns into a medium size, and before you know it, it's adultery, and then it's murder. And the, the consequences of those things, all of our sin has consequences. We live in a world today where the, the attitude is do what you want. Y'all, that's, that's a horrible way to live. That is the most selfish way to live. Because let me tell you something. When I live exactly how Danny wants, it doesn't just affect Danny. It affects my wife. It affects my kids. It affects everybody that I'm around. You agree with that? When I do what I want, that means I'm not thinking about anybody else. And you say, I get people ask me, what's the difference in how Jesus wants us to live in the way of the world? That mindset right there is the heart of it. How should I want to live? I should want to live the way Jesus wants me to live, right? If, I, if my desires begin to line up with God's desires, then that means when I make a mistake, guess, guess what's going to happen? I'm not going to be like David and it take Nathan the prophet to tell me a story to let me realize I've messed up immediately. I'm going to realize, oh my goodness, I shouldn't have talked that way to Jennifer, my wife or to my kids, or to my co-worker. Or I shouldn't have had that thought. I shouldn't have looked at that. I shouldn't have gone and done that. Immediately I deal with it. But when I get to just doing what Danny wants to do, and don't think about what God wants me to do, it's okay to make excuses. Oh, that's no big deal. That's just one time. And then that can grow. And grow. So my encouragement today, one of the best things we can learn about the life of David is we need to deal with sin and deal with it quickly. Any of y'all ever like to watch the old Andy Griffith show? As old Barney used to say, nip it in the bud. <laughs> when there's a sin, we need to nip it in the bud and deal with that sin. Now the sin David doesn't deal with in this story is with his son, and what his son does to his daughter, David does absolutely nothing about Amnon's sin. Maybe, <clears throat> maybe David was reluctant to deal with Amnon because he realized that sin was kind of similar to the sin that he had committed with Bathsheba, you know. And boy, that's, that's tough too, isn't it, when we realize, you know, here I am watching my kid deal with the same kind of struggle that I dealt with, and maybe we don't help them work through that like we should. But I'm here to tell you, parents and grandparents, those of us that God's given us a responsibility to disciple children, one thing we need to be tough on is sin. And that doesn't mean that we need to not be loving there's a great book that James Dobson wrote years ago and with focus on the family called Tough Love. 
It's about tough love. There's some things that we just have to be tough on, you know, and we have to be, we have to be stern with it. We have, to, we have to deal with it. He should have dealt with his son. I'm not, I, you know, for me to try to say what he should have done, here's the first thing we should do. When there's something, and maybe we don't know how to deal with it, who should we ask help? God. Pray about it. God, my child's made a mistake, and I know I need to be a good parent. God, how can I help my kid learn from this? I know this is a, this is a huge problem. How can I help my child get through this and grow closer to you and 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 ask for forgiveness through this. So he didn't deal with that sin, and that led to more, more problems. Absalom overreached, overreacted. So we've got David who did nothing about the sin, and Absalom who overreacts to the sin, right? You know, and it feels, it feels like we're in a world right now where we get, a, we, we get one of those, those are the common reactions to things, right? There's either, uh, we just act like nothing happened, or we overreact to it. And finding that happy medium where God wants us to be, where we do deal out consequences that help someone grow through it and help keep someone accountable. And that's why it's so important for you to get involved in a small group Bible study. Because in order to grow closer to Jesus Christ, you need to have relationships with other believers where you can keep one another accountable. Keeping people accountable means being able to ask the hard questions and not get offended by it. Right? We need to be able to ask one another hard questions. How was your quiet time this week? You know, did you, did you have a quiet time with your family and be able to talk honestly about those kinds of things with one another? I need somebody to help keep me accountable. I need someone to talk with me and meet with me regularly about that. We see Jesus do that with his disciples for three and a half years, showing them how to make disciples. So Absalom totally overreacts to Amnon's sin. And we know uh, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, to never take revenge. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. The Old Testament says over and over again, uh, Absalom takes matters into his hands rather than letting God deal with it. A second thing we learn from this story, beware of pride. Absalom though he could rule the country better than his father at this point. He was much more popular. He had lots of better ideas. If you read the story in detail, Absalom was able to persuade people to follow him. But all he did was cause a civil war. Because of his own pride, he began to think things like, my father's a horrible leader. He doesn't deal when, with, with it when people mess up. He doesn't... He, he's not doing the things he should do. I can do so much better, right? That was Absalom's attitude at this time. And it's easy for us to get in that role, you know. Uh, you, you know, uh, we, we, we see that in our workplace a lot of times. And uh, different, you, you may get a new boss. And 
if your co-workers before the new boss, they fussed about the old boss. And now they got a new boss, and in less than a year, they're already fussing about the new boss. Right? They think they can do a better job of it, you know. And I, I've, been in, I've been in choirs, Philip, you know this, where people fuss about the conductor. Fuss about, I, you know. You know, what I, you know what I tell them when, they, when I hear that kind of stuff? Well, maybe you should start a coup and overthrow the conductor, and let's see how well you can do, you know. <laughs> You know, people get prideful about things. I can do so much better job, right? We all, it's easy to, it's easy to, you know, to coach from the bench, isn't it? And from the stands. You know, coaches get lots of criticism too, don't they? Any leader's going to get criticism. But let me encourage you to realize what that person really needs other than criticism. They need you to pray for them. They need your support. I'm sure there are some things we can all do better than those that get put in authority over us, right? But God's allowed them to be there for a reason, just like he allowed David to be there. And the way David knew he, God had put Saul where he was, and David gives us a great example of how to look at Saul, even though Saul was really evil and really bad, but still submitted to his authority. And that's hard to do sometimes, really hard to do. That's what God would have us do. God will take care of that situation. You just pray about people that are giving you a problem and be nice to them, and you watch what God does. He'll take care of it. I've seen it happen so many times where when Danny tries to take over the situation, boy, I can make a mess real quick. But God's timing's different uh, than our timing. The last thing we can learn from this story, well, this is, there's, a, there's a pile of stuff here. First thing of this third point is communicate with God, your family, and others. Communication is such a big deal, isn't it? Such a big deal. Uh, in, in God's word, it's a big deal. It's a big deal every day. Communicate with God. How do we do that? We pray. We spend time in His Word. We come to church. We, we get involved with other believers. We let them, let God speak through them. We listen to the Holy Spirit. To make good decisions, we must communicate with God. And praying is not just us talking to God. It's, it's, it's listening. That means... God, he said a lot, a lot, and we need to listen to it and let it guide our thoughts, let it, let it guide our decisions and the things that we do every day. This is something David failed to do in his life on many occasions, but there's also stories we can go back and look at where he sought God's help. You know, before an army would come into battle, he would ask God what to do, and he'd do what God said, and they'd win that battle right? God would tell him just what needed to be said. God will do the same thing for you if we'll turn to him and look to him and look to his word uh, for those tough questions that we have. There's so many things that we deal with today. There's not a black and white answer always, is there? We need God's wisdom and help in dealing with those things. Communicate with your family. 
That first date Jennifer and I went on, it seemed like we had everything in common. Y'all remember a first date? Those of you who've been married, our 25th anniversary is coming up soon. And so, you know, I look back on that first date. Man, I tell you everything. We had so much in common. Well, guess what? Now, we've got two separate sinks because she, she pushes the toothpaste out of her tube different than I do. <laughs> and so she can have her sink over here and I can have mine over here, right? But you know what? We still have to communicate, right? We, are so, we had everything in common on that first date. Today, I think the things that we have in common are Jesus and kids. And that's about it, right? But you know what? That's enough. The key is communication. We have to talk. The way I want to parent our kids, the way Jennifer wants to parent, it doesn't always line up. We better talk about it or somebody's not going to be happy about how it was parented, right? We have to talk. That's not easy for me. Guys, this, I know talking is not easy always, is it? But, but make time to do it. Make time to talk with your wife. Make time to talk with your kids, to sit down. Everybody, There's something that's beginning to miss in our culture today, and we, we just force ourselves to do it at least once a week. Hopefully we can do it more than that, where we just all sit down at the table and eat together, right? That's, that's an important time. I encourage you to find a time where you can all just be together and just talk. And we used to do things when we had both the kids at the house. I, we called it high and low. You know, uh, Anna, what was your highlight of this week? We'd do it once a week. What was your highlight this week? What was your worst part of the week? You know, and all four of us would tell. And just get to talking and see what's going on in your, your spouse's life, in your kid's life, and those kinds of things. Let me tell you something. David wasn't communicating with his family well, I don't think. Now, I'll be honest, it's a lot harder to it's hard enough to communicate with one wife. Can you imagine trying to communicate with nine of them? And then his son, Solomon, really didn't learn the lesson. He had hundreds of them. And so, you know, it doesn't get necessarily better there, does it? But we, we need to communicate with one another. God wants us to do that. He wants us to to grow closer to, to one another. And in premarital counseling, I always used to tell the guy and, and, and the girl, you know, this, this, is, this is the groom and this is the bride and up here's God. If you want to grow closer together, grow closer to God. Right? If one of you is growing closer and one of you is growing further away, you're, not, you're getting further away from one another. Right? If both are growing closer to God in a marriage, they're growing closer to one another and learning to communicate with Him and one another. And that's what we need in our families today more than anything. Communicate with others. Communicate with God. Communicate with family. Communicate with others. To have healthy relationships, we must communicate with other people. This is so hard to believe, but people don't know what you're thinking, right? And there's a tactful way to tell them what you're thinking without offending folks. Learn the skill of communication. Young people, do not let your only form of communication be this. 
okay? Learn how to talk. Parents, force them to talk to you. Have conversation. Learn how to look people in the eye and listen and nod and say, yes, sir, and no, ma'am, and, and thank you, and you're welcome. We're beginning to miss some of that stuff, aren't we? We're beginning to miss some of that in our culture. But parents, grandparents, we've got to, we got to, it doesn't mean this, there's a lot of great things about this, isn't there? But if we let this be the only way a text message or a Snapchat or a TikTok be the only way we would communicate with people, we're in trouble. So I want to encourage you, learn to communicate with family. Learn to communicate with God better and communicate with others. This pandemic, y'all, it is rough. It forced us to not do those things. And we're seeing the results of it, aren't we, in a lot of ways. Get back to talking to people in person. It's so important. It really is. And I know, hey, we, for all time, who do we depend on to protect us from viruses, no matter what they are? It's God. If you're afraid of it, at least call them and FaceTime them. That's one good thing about this. You can do that, right? Let's bow our heads as we prepare for a time of commitment. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your word. It gives us so much instruction as we look at David's life. The way that it ends, we see a man that regrets some decisions that he's made. He's not, he's not given the gift of being able to see the temple be built. But he has so many good things that he followed after you with his heart. Help us to do that. Help us to learn from mistakes that we make as well as the ones we see in, in, in God's word that, that David makes. Help us to learn to communicate better with one another and with you. Father, help us to deal with sin when it shows up in our life and help us to help others and to be forgiving and loving as, as you are. Help us to deal with pride, to realize, you know what, we don't always have all the answers, to be supportive of others. And Lord, we know that as we grow closer to you and others around us grow closer to you, everybody's growing closer together and that's what church is all about i pray for this church that everyone in this room that hears me right now would grow closer to you and one another in such a way that it becomes contagious throughout this community and people would see that and realize that's something they've got at worship a church that i don't have and i want it and i need it lord we know that you're ready to give people that kind of relationship at the blink of an eye or if anybody here today needs to deal with sin or realize they need to communicate better with others, Lord, I pray they just come to you this morning and say, God, help me. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to communicate better with my, my wife or my husband or my kids and my, my coworkers and everybody that I'm involved with. Lord, help us to live lives that please you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.